Welcome to the Relentless Grace Podcast. This church has left the building. Your host is Pastor Paula Mamel. Welcome to Relentless Grace, a podcast for people who are seeking an authentic, unbridled faith connection with Jesus that is relevant in the 21st century. Whether you have been bruised by organized religion and walked away, or are still engaged but looking for a way to deepen your spiritual journey, Relentless Grace is a podcast to connect with your spirit. Each week, I try to make connections between the timeless Word of God and the reality of our everyday lives through reflections on the Word and ways to implement your faith in your daily life. This show is seeking to provide a re-communion of seekers, doubters, stayers, and leavers with the power of the Holy Spirit outside the walls of a congregation. This church has left the building. This week, we are continuing our series on the Shepherd Psalm, looking at the second part of the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we often view the world through what is lacking and through what we don't have, this is an invitation to see that God truly has provided us with all that we need. And when we are able to look at the world through those lenses, we are able to find more contentment and able to trust the shepherd who is guiding us. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Psalm 34, verse 4 through 10, from the New Revised Standard Version. I sought the Lord, and God answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Look to God and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord, and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear God and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in God. O oh, fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for those who fear God have no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Proverbs 3, 5-6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge God, and God will make straight your paths. Matthew 6, 33-34 But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Philippians 4.10-14, 17-19, the New Living Translation. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a ch- the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, plain or little. For I can do everything through Christ, who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need, and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God, who takes care of me, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. 
We live in a society that places a very high value on self-sufficiency. I mean, it's part of the American dream. The whole idea of pulling yourself up by your bootstrap. The American model of the self-made man. And I am not being sexist with those words. Those are the words that people envision when they envision self-sufficiency. It's really central to the American dream. If we pick the right company, if we work hard and impress our bosses, we will succeed in our work. We'll get promoted, receive bonuses, and our stock options will be valuable. This whole concept of self-sufficiency, though, is antithetical to what the Shepherd Psalm is talking about and what it means to be a faithful follower of Christ. Because at its very core, being a Christian, calling out that the Lord is my shepherd, implies that we are not self-sufficient. Because it implies that we are sheep. And the reality is that sheep are not terribly intelligent animals. They're not brilliant creatures. Leave a sheep without a shepherd, and it nibbles a little bit of grass here, and it wanders over there for some more, sees a patch just past that rock, and before you know it, the sheep is lost, or has fallen into a ravine, or has been devoured by a wolf. Sheep need their shepherd. They need a shepherd who's going to take care of them and keep an eye on them. If a sheep falls on its side, it can become turned upside down, and it will die if it's not picked up and placed upright. It can literally starve to death or lay there, being vulnerable to predators. That's actually why the shepherd's staff has a crook, so it can right a fallen sheep. Sheep are not self-sufficient. And what we are saying when we use this psalm to describe us is that because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall lack nothing. And that's not because of what we bring to the relationship. It is because of our trust in our shepherd. It is because of a God who promises to provide for all of our needs. Now, the word used here in the psalm is not necessarily the material things, but rather the idea of lacking nothing, lacking nothing that we need to survive life. Robert Ketchum wrote in his book, I Shall Not Want, the story of a Sunday school teacher who asked her class of children who could quote the entire 23rd Psalm. A little four-and-a-half-year-old girl was among those who raised their hands. A bit skeptical, the teacher asked if she really could quote the entire Psalm. The little girl nodded enthusiastically and came up to the podium, faced the class, made a little bow, and said, The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. She then bowed again and sat down. She may have left several of the verses out, but I think she captured the essence of this psalm in that one sentence. When the Lord is our shepherd, that's all we should want. But it is not about us. It's about our full reliance on a God who is with us who sustains us and walks with us. And that is very countercultural. 
There's a current pop thought movement that uses the phrase, I am enough. Now, at one level, I understand that, that we need to accept who we are, and we need to accept that we are beautiful and fearfully and wonderfully made. But it is countercultural in our society to say, I am not enough. On my own, alone, I will be like that sheep who gets lost, who falls to predators, who sometimes falls over and can't get up on my own. It's like that commercial, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. All of us wear that kind of alert button around us when we know that the Lord is our shepherd and that God will provide all of our needs. But what does that mean? Does that mean that we're going to get absolutely everything we have that's in our heart's desire? Well, no, that's not what it's about. This is not about that prosperity gospel. I talked about that a few weeks ago when I talked about Christians not expecting everything to be perfect and to have what we need. But it's about a God who will be with us in the midst of the uncertainty of our lives and provide us with what we need internally to deal externally with the changes and chances of life. That is the essence of this first verse of the psalm. That when the Lord is our shepherd, God will provide all of our needs according to God's riches and glory. That text from Philippians that Anna read, that really gets to the core of what it means to live into this psalm, to know what it means that the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. Because that passage is being written by a man who is facing the end of his life. Paul was sitting in a prison cell. He was waiting to hear whether he would die by being tied to a pole and set on fire to light the city, or if he would be thrown into the Colosseum and devoured by lions or dogs. But at this point in his life, he writes this amazing letter to the church at Philippi. And in that passage, he acknowledges that he knows what it is to have much and he knows what it is to have little, but in all things he finds his strength through Christ. And then he says, God is going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That is what it means to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Not that the road is going to be wonderful and sweet and great and we're just going to skip down it so happily, but rather that promise that when we lean into a relationship with God, we find the strength and the courage and the conviction to do what we need to do. But we have to be willing to be vulnerable, to acknowledge that we are not enough. But when we trust in God, God gives us what we seek. The psalm, too, acknowledges that. It talks about how the Lord is with us even when we're surrounded by enemies and we cry out and God hears us. That when we trust in God, even when bad things are happening, we can look to God. We can taste and see that the Lord is good. And when we take refuge in God, when we turn to God, God will give us what we need. The psalmist says, The young lions suffer want and hunger, 
but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Now, I've seen hunger, and I've seen horrible things happen to people. This doesn't remove us from those realities. But what it says is that Christ will be present with us in the midst of the struggle. I shall not want. Those words, they're so powerful, so transformative. When we say them, we're altering how we understand what the Lord gives. And what this allows us to do is the ability to view our lives through the lens of a God who is present. We have the opportunity in our lives to look at everything as either half empty or half full. Half empty means we see everything we lack, what we don't have, what isn't there. And what happens when we do that is that we feel emptier. We feel lost. We feel more abandoned. But when we are able to look at what we have, to see not necessarily the externals, but the intangibles in our lives, then we are able to say, I shall not want. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to us. God provides all that we need. It is that trust in God that allows us to do that. Now, I'm also not saying that the realities of anxiety and depression are not real and that we should ignore those. One of the things God provides us with are mental health professionals. One of the things God provides us with are medications that help us deal with the struggles of life. But within that, our perspective— our willingness to see where God is present allows us to fill our lives and be surrounded with the strength that we need, not on our own, but because of our reliance on God, to be able to deal with all of the things that cause us to struggle, that make things hard. Paul's life wasn't perfect, but he found contentment because of his trust in the shepherd who was not going to leave him lost, who was going to pick him up and turn him over and guide him to wherever he needed to go. This ability happens because we acknowledge that the Lord is our shepherd. We humble ourselves. We yield to the guidance of God. We turn away from that idea that we can do it on our own and we lean on others. We lean on God. We don't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. That vision of the American dream is a lie. It is a lie that implies that we can do it on our own. The recent pandemic reminded us that even if we think we're in control, we aren't. In a matter of days, our society completely turned around and we had to rely on one another. And we lost a certain sense of control of our own lives. But if we have Christ as our shepherd, and we put Christ at the center of our lives rather than ourselves, then we can live a life without want, recognizing that we aren't in control. Living a full life, a life without want, means having God in our life, at the center of our lives. With God at the center of our lives, we become other-centered, not self-centered. We are caring, not inconsiderate, humble, not arrogant. 
exhibiting integrity, not dishonesty. We become other-centered when we acknowledge that we need more than ourselves, that God provides all of our needs. And as we respond to that, we find a life that is driven not by what we lack, not by what we don't have, but by a God who gives us all we need, even in the valley of the shadow of death. A God who is present, who won't leave or abandon us, who gives us strength for this life and hope for the life to come. This isn't intended to be a Pollyanna view of the world. Don't worry, be happy. But rather an understanding that when we are in relationship with God, God does supply all our needs. There is not a shortage. There is not anything lacking. God is God, and when we trust in God, it will work out good in the end. And if it's not good, it's not the end. We can look at life by seeing what we lack, and we will feel empty and lost. We can beat ourselves up because we haven't been able to do it on our own. But then we fall under the pressure and the weight. But when we lean on each other, and when we follow the shepherd, the Lord will guide all of our paths. But when we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, and we do not lean on our own understanding, when in all of our ways we acknowledge him as our shepherd, God will make our paths straight and fill us with an abundance that absolutely defies our expectation. An abundance of faith, an abundance of love, an abundance of support, an abundance of strength. And those intangibles, those gifts of the Spirit, well, that's all we ultimately need when God, our Good Shepherd, is leading us. Amen. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. My God shall provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. He gave his angels charge over me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, his grace is sufficient for us, for us, for us. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, his grace is sufficient for us. Our God shall provide all our needs according to his riches and glory. He gave his angels charge over us. Jehovah Jireh cares for us, for us, for us. Jehovah Jireh cares for us. T.S. Eliot, in the last of his four quartet poems, Little Gidding, wrote, 
The end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. That may seem like an odd beginning for the community connection section, but what I am going to suggest you do in order to deepen your understanding of what it means to say, I shall not want, is to explore what you have, to explore what it is that you have in your life. Make a blessing list. Eliot in the poem was talking about how imagination and faith can conquer the structures placed upon us by time and history. I believe as we look at what we have, we can view what we have in new light. And we do that by focusing on what we do not lack. We can go through and find all of the things that we don't have. We can say, I don't have a house on the coast, I don't have a lake place, I don't have a fully funded pension, I lack this, I lack that. We can constantly focus on those things. But rather than do that, we can ask ourselves, what really matters that I do not have? What at the hour of death would I dare not lack? And the answer to that is not the latest Mac Pro or a vacation house. When we focus on what we do not lack, on what God has provided, we recognize that the one thing that we need, we can have. Intimacy with God. A relationship with the Savior of the world. One who will be present and support and strengthen us, no matter what is taken away the one who gives us the ability to move forward, even when life is dragging us down. And that is why it is important to examine what we have, and then we can see it with new eyes. That's what Eliot was talking about. When we arrive where we started, and we see all that God has given us, and having that kind of list Having that ability to look at the world through the light of what we do not lack helps us change our perspective. It brings us out of the pit. People who win the lottery rarely become the happiest people. In fact, the opposite is often true, because even when they get their heart's desire Without an understanding of what God has given us, without an understanding of what truly matters, everything is just so much window dressing. If you were a fan of the recent series Succession, you saw that these were the richest people in the world. And they were really, really awful, sad, depressed people. It's the story of people who are like the Murdoch Empire at Fox News. And it portrayed their emptiness. They had everything, but they lacked so much. When we are able to see what we do have, what we possess, that God has given us intrinsically through the power of the Spirit, we are able to then transform how we respond and share with others. So this week, as you think about what it means to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Revisit what you have, what God has given you. Write it down, and then think of what Eliot said. 
when we arrive where we started and know the place for the first time, when we see our life through the lens of a God who gives us all we need. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Relentless Grace. This church has left the building. I'm especially grateful for those who helped with today's episode, Dan McKnight, who provided the introduction, my godchild, Anna Gulland, who was the reader of the scripture, and Ruth Skinner, who sang both the song, which we sang together in our days at Manitoba Pioneer Camp, and who also sings our closing song. It's been really fun to connect with different people who share their gifts. And if you have a gift you wish to share, if you'd like to read, if you'd like to sing, please let me know. Also, I appreciate any suggestions and feedback. It is really helping me hone the production. I'm also grateful to my son's partner, Kate, who provided me with the new computer that I've been using. It's been a learning curve, but I think having a Mac has totally changed me and I'm going to be using it going forward. I apologize that last week we had a few glitches and I'm hoping this week there are fewer. But once I get the hang of things, it's going to be a much easier way to produce the podcast. If you'd like to provide any feedback on the podcast, email me at relentlessgracepodcast at gmail.com or place a comment on our Facebook group for Relentless Grace. I appreciate any support that will help offset the costs of this and allow me to augment my income so I can continue this ministry. Pouring time and energy into it is truly a labor of love, but I am grateful for the support that would allow me to continue to do it. You may do so by clicking on the link to Patreon and providing support through that, or you can Venmo me at PVMamel or contact me for other ways to provide support. I am deeply grateful. Also grateful that you share this with others. The more others hear about it, the broader it grows and becomes, and that is ultimately my goal with this podcast. To reach out to people who may have been alienated, or who may need a spiritual boost, and to connect with their lives so that we can find the strength and support that we need in our journey through life. I send you out today with a blessing. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. May you know the guidance of the Good Shepherd who truly does provide all that we need. For when we trust in our shepherd, even as the challenges of the world surround us, we lack nothing that we need to guide us through life to eternal life. Amen. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. There'll be shouts of joy and all the trees of the field will clap, will clap their hands. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. The trees of the field will clap their hands. The trees of the field will clap their hands as you go out with joy.